This is Observations QNO Podcast for Friday, the 10th of September, 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. I'm Michael Wade, and I am digging this intro. Are you? Well, this is... That's good. Uh, again, you know, it's just some random music that I grab off of YouTube before the podcast. I guess I... What new royalty-free rock instrumental has been released in the last week? And whatever one it is, that's that's the one that gets played. So that's a good one. It's got a uh, more of a classic rock feel, I think, to it. Kind of. Oh, that, that's what I think. Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of in between uh, like Aerosmith and and Metallica or something. Yeah, so I, uh, I I heard that and I thought, okay, that's this week's that's this week's music, at least the intro music, anyway. Huh. Um, so I'm I'm actually kind of disappointed that Bruce wouldn't be here because I would imagine that he is like me, incandescent with rage. Yeah. At what we've seen happen this last week. Yeah, the, the complete uh, pivot and turn away from. The, the absolute uh, devastating debacle in Af- Afghanistan to start pushing vaguely unconstitutional um, mandates and lawsuits. Um, and the mandates affect you specifically, right? Because, I mean, you work for, well, at least as a subcontractor to a, 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 a government contractor. No, I, I, I do not. I oh, I thought you were still doing that. No, I haven't done that for seven years. I work for a software company. Yeah, but I, th- oh, so I thought that the software company was doing stuff for, as like subcontractor to government contractors, but no. Well, I mean, you know, we have governments as customers, which is to say they have purchased our software, but, uh, it's all commercial items. Yeah, it's all, it's all commercial items so so it's not uh it's not that we're a contractor or anything like that a government contractor certainly not with the federal government although we have a couple of state agencies that have purchased our software but we're a consumer off the shelf software well i say consumer that's probably not the right term um right it's 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 an enterprise software that uh, you're not going to be able to buy unless you have you know, hundreds of employees. So therefore, right. It's not not technically a consumer product. Right. Yeah. 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 Joe and Susie with five kids are, are not buying this product. Yeah, I think. Um, well, now of course we have a different licensing model, so we sell it on a subscription model, like everything else. So it's it's, per, it's on a per user basis. Software but, as a service. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, back in the day, whenever we were selling, you know, tiered licensing for just you know perpetual licensing you buy the software you just install it um i think our bottom our bottom buy-in price was like a hundred grand so yeah exactly yeah and that comes with the service on top of that and the service contract and all the other adjustments and whatever yeah and you know training and all the other stuff so i mean it's 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 a uh it ain't a cheap piece of software so it's it's something that consumers have never heard of um, so let's talk about Biden. Let's talk about the man who not all that long ago told us that there was no way there were going to be vaccination mandates. And 
who yesterday, he didn't even think he had that power. Yeah, he yeah, didn't even have that power. And that's a discussion that we'll have in a few minutes, I'm sure. Um, so his announcement was he's going to ask OSHA to come up with a set of rules that will, in the fullness of time, when promulgated, require all businesses with 100 or more employees, all government contractors, and all government employees, well, let's not push it that far, um, to be vaccinated or to have, at their own expense, weekly testing, presumably. Um, and uh, if not, they just lose their job. They simply can't be employed. So the federal government, from what the president seems to think, can through an OSHA regulation, um, just uh, basically force you to take a, a mandatory vaccine or lose your job or uh, pay for testing at your own expense weekly. Yeah, but Trump was the authoritarian one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything that they yeah, said I, Trump was, Biden is. Well, and that's exactly right. And it's, you know, I, I went through... I didn't peruse, but I, I, I did sort of um, kind of skim through a lot of OSHA last night um, after this announcement. And I was uh, trying to find where the regulatory authority would come from. Now, I mean, I can see how they might squeeze it into a couple places, but... The one thing you have to remember that every statute, especially to uh, um, a an executive agency, is filtered through uh, basically a, a filter that that narrows what their scope is, and their scope really has nothing to do with this at all. That um, they're looking at, I think the idea that, well, we're just trying to keep everybody safe. Okay, but if they're vaccinated, they're safe. Well, no, 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 because the unvaccinated can infect them. So the vaccines don't work. Uh, No, the vaccines are safe and effective. Well, let's unpack that later. I'm I'm more interested in whether they do, in fact, have this statutory, or they do, in fact, have this regulatory authority that they're claiming especially coming two weeks after the Supreme Court said, yeah, you can uh, take your rent uh, moratorium and shove it up your ass. Yeah. So the thing with the CDC is that it was clearly well beyond their statutory and regulatory authority. And it always was. When Trump put it in place, and I disagree with it then, um, at least Congress had appropriated money so they at least took it, you know, Fifth Amendment seriously. We're taking your property. We're going to at least pay you for it. Although I think something like 98% of that money has not been doled out. Correct. Um, at least then there was congressional authorization. Um, and the CDC would not really the right agency to do it through. But it's a pandemic. You know, things were a little loose and you needed to do something. Um, I don't think it was legally kosher, but nobody challenged it. Uh, when they, <laughs> after, well, that, that's not true. They did challenge it, and it lost twice. Uh, the first time it lost because uh, Brett Kavanaugh said that, well, you know, it's about to expire. It's not constitutional, but uh, the the least harm here is to let it play out and 
let it end naturally, and then move on from there. Well, Biden, of course, got all his advice and whatever and knew it was unconstitutional. Matter of fact, Supreme Court had told him it's unconstitutional and then thought he could play it out for at least a few months with uh, Parliament games. And it got to the Supreme Court very quickly. And they said, no, like we said before, it's not constitutional. CDC does not have this power. OSHA does have regulatory authority over health and safety in the workplace. However, well, let me give you the, the pie in the sky argument first. Um, OSHA, I don't believe, is actually constitutional. Because it falls, its authority falls under the Commerce Clause. The Commerce Clause is for interstate commerce. Um, and so the company itself, thanks to, uh, 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 was it uh, Rickard, Rickard, Rickburn, Rickard, Rickard, you know the, the case I'm talking about. If you substantially affect interstate commerce, even though you're only dealing in in-state commerce, then we can regulate you. Rickard v. Filburn, I think. Um, that was a super horrible case, uh, but that's been how uh, they have opened up the Commerce Clause to drive uh, federal regulations into everybody's business. Well, OSHA doesn't actually deal with the business part of it it deals between it, with the relationship between the employer and the employee which is typically local even if that that employee crosses over a state line uh, to come into that 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 company and work or even works remotely it's still basically a local uh not has nothing to do with interstate commerce at all so you know, pie in the sky. Hey, maybe we get rid of OSHA. That'd be fantastic. But to be more realistic about what the argument's going to be, this is going to hinge on whether or not it's a health and safety issue for unvaccinated people to be around vaccinated people. I'm not sure that OSHA has that mandate. Um, OSHA is really about protecting... Uh, you know, air filters. Um, they they uh, have guidelines uh, and mandates on how hot or cold it can be in, in your area, about whether or not um, people have protective gear like hard hats uh, or knee pads or gloves. Um, I mean, th this is a truly this would labor extend their, th This would extend their regulatory authority to uh, essentially activities outside the workplace, i.e. whether you get a exactly. vaccination or not. Which means that anybody who got the flu could then be, uh, you know, forfeit their job. It's an, am an amazing expansion of a small agency that does not have this authority and it really does not have this mandate. But they're going to try to shove it through and they're going to try to do it on very, uh, you know, thin arguments. But, I mean, you get a few Hawaii judges and then gives up to the Supreme Court. Well, 
what's John Roberts going to say? I don't know. Well, we've already got, by my state, 10 counts who say as soon as this rule is promulgated, we're going straight to federal court, which, by the way, in a case like this, a state uh, going up against a, re- a federal regulatory agency would actually start, my understanding is, not in federal district court, but at the appellate level immediately. Right, because federal district court doesn't have uh, jurisdiction there. But here's the biggest problem is that uh, like some of the top hundred, you know, Forbes 100 companies have said, oh, we love these rules. This is fantastic. We're totally behind these rules because, you know, they want to stay in the good graces of the government. Um, This is going to come down to, I mean, literal resistance. You know, uh, oh, really? We're going to have to pay that fine? Well, fuck you. Go ahead and make me. And then the IRS is going to get involved and the Treasury Department. And this is a true battle of, uh, well, I mean, of federalism, quite frankly. Now, I don't think there's much doubt that Congress could, in fact, pass such a mandate by statute. They Well, look, they could pass a mandate by statute. Again, it'd be weak because they'd have to base it on the Commerce Clause, which depends on interstate commerce. But it's, I, not, it's not even commerce when you're talking about an employee-employer uh, relationship that has always been reserved to the states, w- with the exception, of course, of uh, minimum wage laws, of OSHA, of labor laws. All of these have been shoved through the Commerce Clause. Um, but you're right that Congress could probably get away with forcing some sort of mandate. Um, and that the courts are probably letting them get away with it. But I, I just don't see, even looking over what OSHA can do and what they, you know, what they're allowed to do, I just don't see that, that there's a hole there big enough to drive that truck through. This is especially so when we learn now that uh, despite this mandate, the United States Postal Service will not be subject to it. 644,000 people who visit everyone's houses. Correct. So they're not subject to it. Of course, immigrants will not be subject to it at all. Um, uh, No member of Congress or their staff will be subject to it. So we're, well, of course, why well, would do that? We're exempting Congress. So I'm kind of interested to see. I can't imagine that there's not a single federal judge that will not ask the question, if this is so important, why isn't the Postal Service doing it with their 600,000 employees? I mean, that's one of the largest employers in the country. <laughs> I think Walmart may be the only bigger employer. And one would suppose uh, if the government could force a mandate on anybody, it would be the United States Postal Service. Well, that's especially when, um, and, and it's it's absolutely true that by uh, executive fiat that the president can say all government contractors and their subcontractors and, and whoever else uh, that they're connected with that they have to certify that they're all vaccinated. Absolutely true um, that that it can do that. Okay, but, so. So let me throw in a wrinkle. So what happens if you work for a company remotely and you don't go into an office and your only contact with people is through Zoom meetings? Right. Which is 
a lot more normal now than it was uh, two or three years ago. So now who am um, I threatening and what is the basis for any regulation that might affect me? Well, it's like that kid at uh, Rutgers, right? Who senior year, he, is, he lives like 70 miles away from Rutgers, uh, took only online classes, just wants to graduate. And they're telling him he has to get vaccinated or he can't attend classes. Matter of fact, they locked him out of uh, even paying tuition, much less matriculating. And he's like, wait a minute, but I never go to campus. (laughs) I I am completely remote. Well, it doesn't matter. You, You still have to comply. And that's the problem, because when government does something, it doesn't do something with a scalpel and a needle. It does it with a hammer. So it's always, always, always over-inclusive. Right. The rules are the rules. You, the, the rule says you got to be vaccinated to attend school, and you're attending school, technically. So yep. therefore, you have to be vaccinated, or we'll just not allow you to graduate. We'll just kick you out. Right. Hey, but thanks for all that money we, uh, you gave us before for nothing. Yeah, it's just insane, and the exemptions make it even worse. Well, and, and well, the exemptions always make it worse. It's the same thing with Obamacare. You know, why was Congress exempted from Obamacare? Oh, because they're on another federal program for, oh, and they get really good rates. Oh, and they get a lot more coverage. Oh, and they get a lot better coverage. Huh. No wonder you don't want to force yourselves onto Obamacare. Yeah, no kidding. Because you already have everything that you want. You're doing fine. But the... Uh... You know, the, the the rhetoric with which he posed it, and you started to get into this, and I, I, I held up a hand to stop you, and that is what the president said, that he is going to protect the vaccinated workers from the unvaccinated. Right. Um, I thought that was what the vaccine was supposed to do. It's safe and effective, uh, according to everybody. Yeah, it's safe and effective. So why do you care whether I'm vaccinated or unvaccinated or not? If I am unvaccinated, then I'm a threat to myself, potentially. But why am I a threat to you? You're vaccinated. You're going to be fine. And this idea, well, we can't allow it to spread from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated. Well, not so fast, my friend, because we are we have learned, especially with the Delta variant, that the vaccinated can now carry the virus and pass it on to other vaccinated people. So, of course, I mean, they don't experience much, but um, and this is what drives me crazy, too, about the news. And it's got to be hard, especially for people who look, you and I, Bruce, you know, most of the people who are, are listening right now are we're news junkies. We, we pick up bits and pieces from every corner of every news agency and all the affiliates and, and whatever else and the filters and so what we we're pretty well informed and we know how um, mixed up information becomes right now. I, I mean, as much as I pay attention to the news, I am really uncertain what I can tell you for certain is what actually happens. I, I, I really literally don't know. I, I know that uh, there's this study of Israel where I think something like 85, 90 percent of them are uh, vaccinated, fully vaccinated. 
and yet they've had a big uh, Delta uh, uh, surge. Yeah, okay, Israel may be the most vaccinated nation in the world. And that would make sense. Um, they're sort of like Norway that way, right? I mean, they're very conscientious and um, given to this, to, not to the state, but to their fellow countrymen. Um, there's so a, that, that would make sense. There's a, a broad communitarian spirit in Judaism. Yeah, exactly. As there is in in a lot of Scandinavian countries. Uh, so it's it's not that dissimilar. And yet, we're also told that, well, there's only about one in 5,000 um, uh, chance that you're going to get uh, a breakthrough infection if you're on, if, if you're vaccinated. Okay. Um, and if I, you do get it, it's going to be a big deal. Here's the trouble. How do I know that that's true? How do I know that any of these numbers are true? Because we do not have a single go-to database that would answer any of these statistical questions because the government, for whatever reason, I'm certain for entirely innocent reasons, have decided not to publish anything like that. No. And the thing is, they do publish stuff. Go ahead. They publish stuff that, and so like the CDC and the NIH, they publish stuff. And then uh, even the NHS, and then we have this information. We, we, this is all vetted information. Uh, at least it's raw information. And then we have the politicians and the supposed people, the experts in charge, tell us com- something completely different than what the actual data says. So, I mean, I, I really have no idea what's going on. Yeah, and there, there is uh, there is no source of raw data that I could just download and pop into a database and start data mining it to try to see, all right, statistically, what is actually going on here. They don't even count cases the same uh, That's to right. determine whether or not you have COVID. For example, the, the testing standards for people who've been vaccinated, for us to say that they have COVID, are an order of magnitude less sensitive than the tests for the unvaccinated to say whether or not they have COVID. Hmm. Right. That's interesting. So how can I do an apples-to-apples comparison when even the fundamental testing operates uh, on a sensitivity that is an order of magnitude different? I mean, would what I consider a COVID case if I was unvaccinated... Uh, if I checked the vaccinated, what would the rates be testing at the same sensitivity on, say, a PCR test, right? Well, we don't know because we don't do that. So That's exactly right. So we can't make any apples-to-apples comparisons. Uh, I think that currently, if you look at the VAERS database, there are, and, uh, okay, uh, caveat about the VAERS database. Anybody and their brother can put anything they want in the VAERS database. Um Nothing in it is verified. It's just a, you know, a, a public reporting database that the CDC says gives me early, gives us, you know, early indication that something might be wrong so that we can actually begin to delve into it. Fine. But one does note that there are, uh, I think at this point, over 13,000 reports of death associated with the vaccine. 
Uh, now, just because you took a vaccine and you died in the next two weeks doesn't mean that they're associated in any way. But right. 13,000 is a pretty big number, especially when you look at, I, I think, the the largest number for any medication prior to this was like 1,000. Um, is that significant? And then the CDC tells us, well, you know, these numbers also probably understate the actual numbers that are happening because only about um, you know, 10% of adverse events get reported to VAERS. Okay, does that mean 130,000 people have died from the vaccine? I don't know. I have no way of. You know, I have no way of. I have no way of telling. And I, there's no database that I can go to that points to who died of COVID. And that assumes, of course, that hospitals are not trying to get extra money from the federal government by you know. Amen. Everybody who died of a car accident being attributed to COVID. I don't know because the reporting standards are so loose that there's there's no way to tell. So you know we have to depend now on these agencies to tell us stuff. And during the course of this pandemic, these agencies have said one thing and then within weeks or sometimes days have completely repudiated that to say the exact opposite. My favorite, of course, is uh, you know Tony Fauci with you don't need a mask at all to, yeah, you do need a mask to, oh my God, you need two masks. Count them. You need two. That's how bad this is. You need two masks to now, okay, well, now if you're vaccinated, you don't have to mask. Well, actually, yeah, you do have to mask. Where, who can we trust? Who can we trust with any information that's reliable? What we get are these U cases from these agencies that tell us, okay, well, this is safe and effective. Everything is fine. You're not going to have to worry about COVID. Um, is that true? I don't know. Could be. But there's no independent source I can go to to verify that. No. And so what people rely on, uh, because they don't trust any of the, the government agencies or the media, is what do they see around them? You know what? I don't know anybody that's died from COVID. I know a lot of people had it. Some of them got kind of sick. I don't know anybody was hospitalized. But, uh, you know, most people I know who were, uh, you know, possibly uh, negatively uh, compromised, you know, the older and the sicker, they protected themselves and they wore masks all the time and they stayed away from people. And now they're back out and about. So, oh yeah. Then I'm looking at the survivability rate and in no court, no cohort, is it less than 99% survival rate? Yeah, I think the lowest that, that I've seen recently is 99.4 is the yeah. low end. And, and that's, that's for like uh, 70 and over. Yeah. yeah. So we're panicking about this. Like we're literally panicking about this. Now, look, I think COVID, COVID is a serious issue because while it's flu-like for most people that get it, um, the people who get it who have other comorbidities suffer a lot more. And it does seem to spread uh, quite easily. Well, now, especially a lot the of Delta that, variant. Is, the Delta variant is supposed to be four or five times more transmissible than the original, uh, the original coronavirus strain. Which would make sense because that's how that's viruses, what viruses do. 
They get less deadly, but more transmissible generally. Exactly. Less deadly and more transmissible because it doesn't do them any good. This is why like Ebola uh, dies out so quickly. Yeah, burns I mean, itself it's, out. It, it, it's super deadly, but it, it can't last long enough to, to get to enough hosts. But this is why the flu and the common cold come around every year because they don't, I mean, they do kill the cold, not so much, but uh, the flu, about 50, even with the virus, between 50 and or 90, even with the year, vaccine. The yeah. And, th- and that's even with vaccines. Uh, we're still losing people. Well, to there's, it. there's, you know, 10,000 types of flu. And look at this point, you know, we, we heard this week about the, the moo variant. Um, and that's moo as in the Greek letter moo, not as in cows. And the, the, <laughs> Yeah, now the Mu variant is thought to be vaccine resistant. Well, guess, now, don't guess you put what? that in my head. I'm never going to think of it. Yeah, just call it the cow <laughs> variant and be done with it. Um, so, does that mean these vaccines are useless? If, if I mean, becomes- that's what we're alert. That's what they're telling us. Essentially, is that that's what they're telling us that, that, that these vaccines are useless. And look, to a certain extent, I would not expect them to be perfect. They were rushed. Um, they haven't been fine-tuned yet. And there's still a lot we don't know. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise, it, it doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't even anger me. Um, it, it's more protection than what we had. Look, it's different between uh, wearing a, a bulletproof vest and a flak jacket, right? I mean, it, at least the bulletproof vest is something. Actually, it's the flak jacket that would be something. The bulletproof vest works. The flak jacket doesn't. Okay. Obviously, I've never had to wear either. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. A 5.56 round, well, they'll drill through both, really. But a pistol round will drill straight through a flak jacket. It's designed to stop small, quick-moving, but very light pieces of shrapnel. And it does great at that. Bullets, nope. 9mm goes straight through a flak vest. So, okay, so... The, vi- the the vaccines that we have now are more like a flak jacket. Um, Pretty much, yeah. And I expect that we're we're moving towards a vaccine that will be more like a bulletproof vest. And look, that's great. That's phenomenal. Matter of fact, it's unprecedented in history. And man, uh, I, I take my hat off. I salute and I'm clapping for all the people that made this happen. I think that's absolutely wonderful. But here's the problem. People, for some reason, and uh, reasons I just don't understand, expect a zero-risk world, which Yeah, and that's relatively modern. Never, ever happens. Yeah, that's a relatively modern uh, risk assessment profile that we just, 30 years ago, we would not have had the same risk profile. No, we would have understood. Yeah, it, life is risky, and it's like Australia. Australia is now setting up camps. Yeah, they became authoritarian pretty damn quickly. Yeah, they're setting up camps to pull people out of their homes and force them into these COVID camps, um, I, you know, like summer camps, but you know, for sick people, uh, because they have that zero COVID mentality. <laughs> That's. Uh, you know, it's like when Fido goes to the farm, and that's not why he's yeah. not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never have a zero COVID mentality, but we'll talk about that in a minute. The other thing about the, the information is the way information 
is presented to the public. Um, yeah. And by the way, it's beginning to look like a concerted effort because Joe Rogan uh, last Monday uh, came out and said, hey, I had COVID. I'm feeling better. I was on Quercetin and zinc and vitamin D and ivermectin and monoclonal antibodies. (laughs) Wait a second. Ivermectin and the the frontline story on CNN, who he is at least mulling about suing, is Joe Rogan takes a... the, The phrasing of it was real great. Joe Rogan, who previously had said, if you're young and healthy and you have no comorbidities, maybe you don't want to take the vaccine because COVID will probably be fairly mild for you. So if you want to make that risk assessment, if you're young and healthy and have no comorbidities, maybe that's not unreasonable. So the CNN story was Joe Rogan, who has previously cast doubt on the utility of the vaccines, said that he's taken a horse dewormer for COVID. (laughs) Yes, COVID, ivermectin is a horse dewormer. That is technically true. In, in, you're right. Just in as it is, just as it is technically true, to say that aspirin or tramadol are dog painkillers. Exactly. <laughs> and the worst part about it is, <laughs> Joe is like, you know, I didn't like go out to the, the like, local animal husbandry store and pick up some horse paste i got it from a i mean doctor. i went to a doctor and he prescribed it yeah it is available for humans in uh and has been for from actually doctors. a very long time um so it started off with the cdc just saying, hey, horse dewormer. And then there were all the stories. Oh, my God. The number of people who have called about you know, overdoses from ivermectin have tripled in state yeah. X. Yes. Oh, my has, God. It has tripled to eight calls in the past year. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, well, you know, it, I laugh, but it's not funny. It's actually kind of disturbing. Yeah, because... it, it's disturbing because here we have a medicine that has been distributed in literally billions of doses has right. done wonders in um, the the third world and in Africa and indeed is 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 on the WHO's list of essential medications was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2015 for the the literally millions of lives that have been saved using ivermectin and that's right now it's a horse deworm Right. And well, it's only a horse dewormer because there's a narrative. Exactly. The fact that it's effective for you know horse deworming, it's actually a little bit more broad than that. But um, the, the fact that it's effective for that is an added bonus to to the actual medicine. It's not its primary purpose. And by the way, all. by the way, the United States government is distributing ivermectin to the Afghan uh, refugees. Yeah, of course. But they're also not requiring them to get vaccinated. <laughs> why, why should they? They're giving them ivermectin. Which this 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 whole narrative around this, the whole narrative, the, the there's there's a, a what appears to me to be a close collusion between the media and the government, and really what and tech and everything else, just repeating this line 
And people who disagree with this line automatically just get booted. And by the way, if you want to stop people, you know, from uh, from doubting the government's word, number one, um, say the right things, be factual, uh, be verifiable. And, oh, by the way, don't try instantly silencing anyone who questions your narrative. That doesn't increase trust. You know, if we had institutions that people trusted, we wouldn't have a situation where about 40% of the people refuse to get vaccinated. And by the way, that number among African-Americans, much higher. And that's that should be the, the bell, the red flag. African-Americans are the least likely to get uh, the vaccine. And you know what? I can't blame them. I mean, I hear amongst them, uh, well, you know, that's what they did to us at Tuskegee. Yeah. I, I understand the, the, the trepidation and the fear. I actually get that, especially when they're shoving it down our throats as an imperative and you must do it. Um, and yet there's plenty of evidence out there that I think is is real and true uh, that there are issues and there's always going to be issues any vaccine it doesn't matter the vaccine any vaccine is going to have issues and the fact that we created one so quickly and didn't have time to really catalog all those issues and, and figure out how to uh effectively well, deal with all nobody of them. wanted to wait um, around seven years for a full phase three clinical right uh i didn't i was pretty happy to go ahead and get uh vaccinated even i mean i didn't really care one way or the other but i was happy i just wanted people out of my fucking face and then wear that goddamn face diaper anymore um well that's, that's yeah. too bad now you have to wear it anyway see it, and, and that's another thing that makes people distrust because wait a minute i did all the right things and now i still have to wear the face diaper like what how I, I thought, and I have to quarantine. And you still have to practice social distancing and do all of the other stuff. Then why did I get the vaccine? Then why the for? fuck did I go get the damn vaccine? <laughs> yeah, the the messaging has been so, you know, incompetent. Or or is it incompetent? Do they know something we don't know? Uh, know something that no, it's not that they know something. They have a different agenda than what they're saying, and their agenda is absolutely to split people into, uh, you know, mask wearers, virtue signalers, uh, talisman wearers, and those who don't. So we can be easily identified, ridiculed, shamed, um, and accosted, quite well, look, frankly. That was, that was the whole point of Joe Biden yesterday saying, I am going to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. That right. is nothing more than a propaganda tool to identify an other that you can now, and it's odd how often those others tend to be the political opponents of those doing the othering. Hmm. Wonder if there's a, any coincidence there. Um, and you just incite public, um, or at least social disapproval, uh, and perhaps even hatred. Um, you know, uh, replace vaccinated with uh, Aryans and unvaccinated with Jews. And that language all begins to sound real familiar. Uh, well, because it is the exact same language, quite frankly. Yeah, it's exactly they're the, the ones same threatening language. you. Yep. And, and then uh, they're the ones, they're the reasons you can't do what you want to do. They are the reason that your economy is collapsing. They are the reason 
that uh, you can't go wherever you want. They are the reason your kids can't go to school. They are the reason that uh, inflation is high. I mean, th- this is, uh, I mean, it's classic, absolutely classic. And the media is perfectly happy to go along with it. And, I mean, he doesn't need Garbles. And so he's got many, ABC, yeah. NBC, CBS, and all the rest. And so many people are just willing to fall in line with that without even thinking about it. Yeah, you're That's right. That's the scariest un- thing to me. Those unvaccinated people. And look, th- just think logically. If you're vaccinated, how are the unvaccinated a threat to you? Exactly. Well, yeah, that was the point I was saying that we were and, waiting and, and to talk of course, about. The, the, the answer is from those people, well, uh, it's in the, the unvaccinated. They provide a reservoir where all of these, um, where all of these uh, mutated versions cooties. can spawn. <laughs> oh, no, they say that's where all the mutated versions spawn. Uh, okay. Not so fast there, Sparky. Um, if you're unvaccinated, you're putting no evolutionary pressure or very little evolutionary pressure on the virus at all. If you are vaccinated, especially if you're vaccinated with what we know to be a relatively leaky vaccine, you're the group that is putting the evolutionary pressure on the virus to become vaccine resistant. There's no evolutionary pressure to become vaccine resistant among the unvaccinated, you moron. Right. And you know why it keeps mutating is because it's not allowed to spread naturally. Lockdowns, Social distancing and all that stuff mean it's going to last longer. It's going to have more time to gestate. It's going to have more time to mutate. And therefore, it's going to spread into different variants because we keep locking everybody away. Oh, and by the way, where do most people get the vac- the, the, uh, the virus from? Yeah, it's at home when they're on lockdown. It, it, it just... I'm just shocked by the number of people who are just willing to fall in line. And the number of people I see on Twitter, and I understand Twitter is not representative of the average person, who are just saying, you know what, we need, we should take the unvaccinated and put them into camps. In fact, we should probably just, you know, some people have gone far and saying, hey, they should just be imprisoned. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of blue check crowd on, oh, yeah. on, on Twitter who are perfectly happy with this. And that's what's so funny. You know, we, we started off talking about, you know, uh, the authoritarianism. And look, th- these people are perfectly happy with authoritarianism. And I don't even mean um, Democrats necessarily. Uh, it's also Republicans. It's basically all of uh, the establishment, what I call the nouveau uh, regime, uh, and their acolytes. They are perfectly happy to use whatever authoritarian means at their disposal, uh, even if they really aren't at their disposal, but they'll use them anyway, just to maintain power, keep the people in fear and needing them. Everything that is not prohibited is mandatory. Yep. I mean, that's literally where we're headed. And that's actually kind of, well, let's look at Australia. That's where they are right now. And I'm absolutely shocked about how quickly that became, uh, you know, Romania, Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, the Australian cops are now going into houses and dragging people out and confiscating alcohol because they think that while you're on quarantine, you've ordered a little too much alcohol. So we have to come into your home and confiscate it from you. You know, 
so one of my best buddies, uh, he's Australian by birth. He finally became a naturalized citizen uh, last year. And just so he could vote. And now, he, now he's like, what the hell did I become a citizen here for? I mean, what the hell? I mean, now I'm like, I'm just as trapped as it would have been otherwise. I'm like, sucker. <laughs> but it's so much worse in Australia. They have literally just capitulated. I mean, th- there are a lot of riots going on. And I don't think we're getting full uh, news coverage of how much dissent there is. Um, you know, it's mostly, most of the news coverage is, is concentrated in places like Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, I can't imagine there's much <laughs> uh, authority or enforcement in like Western Australia, which is pretty sparse, or even Southern Australia. Yeah, the, the trouble with the Australian form of government, they have a federal form of government as well, but the 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 state, well, the equivalent of state governors, the, the premiers of each of the states have pretty expansive powers right and they're exercising them to the point that even the prime minister uh, earlier this week said we can't carry on like this right yeah they're pushing for more power because they have a great deal of power that they're exercising over uh new south wales and uh canberra and whatever but they, they don't have that broad reach um Although it's it is covering the vast majority of of the population uh, in in Australia, it people are, are are awfully upset, and they should be, and that's what I expect of Australians. Uh, the fact that they're actually staying home and cutting off their alcohol, I'm I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that I've noticed that somebody who who came out today on Twitter said something to the effect of, look, if they force these mandates down your throat and you don't want to comply, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do whenever they show up at your door with a needle and they say, we're going to force you whether you want to or not. Um, And that's one of the reasons why we have a Second Amendment. Now, that's exactly right. Uh, and immediately that was greeted with, see, these people are just violent. All they want is violence. Wait a second. We're just minding our own business. We're just sitting here in our house. You're the people who've decided you know how we should live. You know what we should put into my body. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Kamala Harris's statement on the importance of women's self-determination over their (laughs) own bodies could not have come in a worse week. Uh, We're the ones who aren't trying to force anybody to do anything. You're the ones who are showing up at our house with the cops, with guns, and if I don't comply, I'm the problem? Yeah, that's exactly the way that people are starting to look at it. It's 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 obey or you're the problem. Yep. Yeah, we're well, we're we're the domestic terrorists, right? Well, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, we just fact, created. Fact, they, the, the, the federal government did say very quietly that the FBI and DHS were actually monitoring social media after Joe Biden's uh, statement about the vaccine mandate, you know, for you know, um, anti-government uh, or domestic terror activity. 
You know, I've never been a big fan of antitrust uh, legislation. I think it's always been self-serving for both the government and big companies. But uh, you know what? I, I'm kind of with Kurt Schlichter on this. Fight fire with fire. If, if that's the road they don't want to go down, you know what? I, I think that there are some pretty damn smart smart lawyers out there who could uh, poke some holes and uh, create some instability amongst these uh, Facebook, Google, Amazon, uh, Twitter uh, that would bring them to their knees. You want to be regulated? Okay, here's how we're going to regulate you. Uh, And here's where the fines you're going to pay. And um, here's how we're going to split you up, just like we did AT&T. And, you know, again, like you, not a fan of antitrust, but, um, you know, I, I'm starting to I'm starting to like this whole fight fire with fire thing. Yeah. If, if I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it's like I have a lot of principles. We're going to have this but, struggle. Uh, I, I'm not going to tie one hand behind my back um, while you punch me in the face. Well, exactly. If there's that, that there's going to be means... face punching. There's going to be face punching, and we're going to do it with an e- uh, equal level playing ground. Which just means we're at war. Um, at war, all those principles go out the window. You know, your back's to me. Fuck you. You're dead. Um, you know, you you want to uh, take your family here, and you're a high level. Well, I'm sorry, I don't want to do it, but guess what? You're dead. Um, matter of fact, so you know how we've been talking about for years about how um, after World War II and then, of course, the UN debacle that is still ongoing, that wars have just gone on forever. Uh, that we have all these rules and engagements and blah 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 and all it means is that we have bloody wars forever since war since world war ii and the creation of the un uh, the un um i i can't think of a year that there hasn't been a bloody war there i mean around the world there has been bloody war after bloody war after bloody war and they always tend to be low intensity conflicts right except extended ones that, that never resolve. And so I saw an article, I wish I, I, I wish I could, I'll send it to you later. I, I wish I could remember the name of the guy. Um, I saw it in a, one of those top level things at hot air. Um, and it was a, it was a very good article. And, and it basically reiterated what you and I have been saying for years is that if you don't have rules of engagement, that you know it's awful and sad that there is collateral damage it's not what we want and we certainly aren't going to go after that that's not the point but if you're going to hide behind orphans and children and whatever i'm sorry they're going to die because we're not holding any quarter and those used to be the rules of engagement up until world war ii after that, we've become this humane sort of uh, fighting. And, but that's not how our enemies fight. 
And he was pointing this out and, and saying, you know, does it make it actually more bloody? Yes. It means wars last forever. Well, you know, we spent 20 getting out of a 20 year war. Yeah, we spent 20 years in Afghanistan and accomplished uh, approximately nothing. The same people who ran the country before we went in there are running the country now. And they have much more experience and they have our weapons. Oh, and we're going to pay them two billion dollars a year. But it seems to me that the rules of engagement now civilly are starting to change. And this idea that, you know, we can always expect you to play by certain rules, but we can lie, cheat and steal and do whatever we want on our side. Um, There are a lot of people who are tired of that. Who are saying, and Kurt Schlichter is one of them. And he's saying, look, we're just going to use your own tools against you. Um, Right. This idea that we are resisting your attempts to change our culture and politics and somehow we're the aggressors in all of this. Um, no, no, you want to see, and here's the thing, um, you know, we've been told forever and ever, um, since January 6th, that this was a, an insurrection, an attempt to overthrow the United States government. And so many people believe that, and they have no earthly idea that if there's a real insurrection in this country, a country with 130 million gun owners, if there's an insurrection, you'll fucking know it. Oh, yeah. And guess what? The people who are supposed to protect you from the insurrection, eh, you might find some split loyalties there. Yeah, this is, yeah, and, you know, we've been talking for years now about the United States splitting up. Boy, I, I, I can't imagine that we have been as close to doing so at any time since 1860. I think we are on the verge of seeing possibly five or six different new countries we may be united in some sort of if if we can do this correctly we may be united in some sort of military compact possibly even a tax sharing compact um we'd have to be sort of united with a debt sharing compact if we're going to be at least uh soluble as sovereign states but yeah i mean a split up is coming i mean it, it, I, I i have no doubt in my mind i don't know when it's coming i mean you're describing but, the but best it's coming. you're describing the best possible case. i am that's right i am describing the best possible i'm talking like uh you know uh, a constitutional Ar- article 5 constitutional uh, convention um, where we amicably split up everything and come to terms and realize that we all have at least national security interests and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not so sure that can happen. I, with this level of rancor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. We have no institutions that we can trust. We, every institution we have is either corrupt or corrupt and completely captured by, certainly on the government side, by the agencies there or the, the, the organizations that they're supposed to regulate. So right. you know, the media can't be trusted to tell the truth. Uh, the government can't be trusted to tell the truth. And 
you know, if if, if nobody trusts what you're saying, uh, good luck trying to force the entire country to knuckle under and obey. Now, look, I'm sure a lot of people in the cities will knuckle under and obey. Um, but there's a large portion of the country, um, probably around, well, if you just look at the unvaccinated, around 80 million people who are just not going to trust what you have to say. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a large, large number. <laughs> um, where they congregate, I don't know. I would assume like Texas or something. <laughs> but, um, it's it's gotten to the, I mean, we're basically, it's just, it's a crazy me. But we're basically looking at Atlas Shrugged, right? Aren't we? Yeah, I think so. You know, there there are talks about the equivalent of a general strike. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I heard twice today on ABC News and uh, I think CBS News that if these mandates for vaccination go into place, something like seven in 10 employees will just quit. Talk about a strike. Well, you know, um, of course, the mandates won't apply to everybody. By the way, some... um, Larger unions are exempt from this because, you know, this would be covered by their collective bargaining agreement. Of course. Yeah. Lucky them. Yeah. So now we have this two tier society where some are being forced to comply and other people just get a free pass because, you know, hey, they're post office workers. Who cares if they're vaccinated? Right. Right. Well, look, now we have. No, we've had a two tier society for a long time. That's just now becoming so blatantly obvious that no one can. It's becoming more uh, stratified and more particularly stratified. Yeah. I mean, it used to just be, oh, well, you're in politics. Well, okay, fine. You broke a law and it was a serious law and it's a felony, but nobody's going to prosecute you. You know, just kind of slink away for a few years and then you can come back. And look, the the. Whenever you have a situation like what happened this week, the president comes out and says, I'm going to have an OSHA rule. We're going to mandate vaccinations. And immediately the governors of nine or 10 states come out and say, you can mandate what you want. We're not going to enforce it. It's not going to happen in my state. Right. Um, Okay. How do we, how do we solve that conundrum? Um, Yeah. I mean, this is the 1880s again with the territories and, (laughs) <laughs> no, this is the 1880s. No, this is you the, will do this. This is this is the 1850s. This is how dare you tell us in our state what we're going to do. You don't have the constitutional authority for that, which slavery is uh, an unmitigated evil. Um, but technically, um, under the Constitution as it existed prior to 1865, the federal government really didn't have the right to tell the states they couldn't have slaves. Um, this is obviously quite a different situation, but fundamentally, um, the principles are the same. The federal government overreach and states immediately saying, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to do it in my state and you can't make us. And then the president coming back and saying, well, if these governors don't line up, I'll just push them out of the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Push them out of the way. Is that the rhetoric that we have now? That is some dangerous rhetoric. And... Nobody wants to believe it, and people, you know, when I first started talking about this 10 or 15 years ago, people were laughing at me. I can't remember. Who, who is it? Um, Oliver, what's his name? 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah, from Media Matters or whatever. Yeah, from Media Matters, laughing at me, saying, oh, they will never be. This, this is never going to be a secession. That's ne- the country's not going to fall apart. That's just crazy. Um, I, I believe he referred to it as as Confederate revisionism or something like that, whatever it was. It has nothing to do with Confederate revisionism. You have a federal government that's grown too powerful, that refuses to live by its congressional limitation or its uh, constitutional limitations, and there are a lot of states that just aren't going to put up with it. And when you have the president now calling out governors and governors calling out the president, well, the last time we've seen a situation quite that intense was in the 1860s. Oh, there was a bit of it in the 1960s uh, when it came to segregation. Well, 18, 1820s, 30s, uh, when uh, uh, Andrew Jackson was president and... He put the kibosh on that. <laughs> yeah, secession is a real possibility now. It, it, it is a real possibility. The only difference, I think, between now and then is that I think it might be more welcome. I think that uh, the blue states and the red states would be happy to be rid of each other. Well, at this point, there's there, there's so little that they share in terms of what they feel are the, the proper role and that's been the problem, the government right? and society. Um, there's no there's there's no room for compromise. That's exactly right. We've reached that Pareto optimal. Uh, all right. So for those who are listening, there's this guy Pareto, blah blah blah, and you can either have. Uh, you know, a shared thing where we each get something, even we compromise, we can have a shared thing where we both get everything when we compromise, or we can have a shared thing where once we compromise, there's nothing else left. We can't compromise anymore. That's called parade optimal. And that's where we are now politically is there's no way the only way for any compromise to happen is one party or the other has to give up something essential and that's where what we've reached is we are so dialectically um uh opposite that there there's no compromise to be had i mean maybe there are small things like spending or whatever but not on values, not on laws, uh, certainly not on the direction of the country. So I don't know where that I don't know where that leaves us. And I, I and my my biggest fear is that the federal government for and I, I don't know when it's going to come. I hope it never comes. But my biggest fear is that someone in the fed, the president is going to come out with some executive order and it you know, might be this president, it might be another president that is going to demand that people do something that they don't want to do and they're going to start trying to enforce it with the cops and then people are going to start shooting up the cops and then all bets are going to be off. Well, as if the cops aren't already under a lot of pressure. <laughs> and quitting in droves. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't even think about a career in law enforcement now. Oh, are you kidding me? Why would you? I mean, look, you may be the most conscientious, um, uh, high EQ, high IQ 
uh, amazing person, great personality, get along with everybody. And you do not want to be a cop. There's a stigma attached to you right now, whether it's deserved or not. And well, let's let's not kid ourselves that it isn't partially deserved. It it is partially deserved, Um, but it's certainly not deserved at the extent that that it's uh, being tricked up to be. Why would you invite yourself into that problem? You really think you're going to solve that one cop? No, any altercation you get into you're going to do your best job to uh you know quiet it down to like get to a reasonable um solution and it does not matter if they're going to force the problem you're going to have to eventually use force and once you use force you're now suspect yeah so you know we there's there's so little that we agree on and by the way this vaccination thing is is one of those is one of the th- those things and and if you would have asked me a year ago would this pandemic possibly be the catalyst that could force this country apart i would have said no i mean we're not that crazy but i guess we are well it it, it kind of reminds me of the reformation or really any other holy war you do the uh uh the crusades i mean this is really sort of a religious thing. Either you believe or you're an infidel. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we certainly are, are are seeing that now. If you have gotten the vaccination, you're a believer. If you haven't, you're an infidel. And by the way, outside of, of uh, black people who have historical reasons for not trusting the government on vaccinations or anything else... Um, the largest single group of people who are vaccine resistant are people with PhDs. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And actually most of those are uh, people with medical degrees. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to me that there is so much, um, there's so much being placed on getting these vaccines and getting everybody vaccinated and relatively little, um, and I've, I've heard this from doctors, relatively little interest in coming up with effective treatments that would make the vaccine less necessary and right. that would help solve this problem. It, it's, we've gone all in on vaccines and we don't really care about treatments. Although I do notice that Pfizer has... Uh, is working on a in phase ones on a COVID pill, which appears to be a protease inhibitor uh, to help fight COVID. And I think it's going to be really, really uh, uh, effective. Now, it's going to be super expensive, obviously, but it's going to be real effective. Uh, oh, and by the way, you know what else is a protease inhibitor? No, I don't even know what a protease inhibitor is. Ivermectin is a protease inhibitor. So what is a protease inhibitor? Uh, a protease inhibitor. <laughs> I can't resist. A protease inhibitor <laughs> inhibits, inhibits protease. protease. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mel Brooks. <laughs> well, I mean, you asked, so I, I just thought I would give you the logical answer. 
Um, so you don't know what it protease is. Protease is no protease is an is an enzyme. Um, it's a, okay. It's a, a viral enzyme, and so protease inhibitors. And by the way, we already have them. It's one of the treatments that we have for um, um, AIDS, HIV. Um, okay. Um, by inhibiting this this protein, it prevents the virus from replicating. So that's that's all it is. It, it just kills this this. Uh, Chemical it enzyme. knocks out a, a building block. Yeah, it yeah, knocks out I a guess. chemical enzyme that viruses need to reproduce, and so therefore, um, it's it's become the basis of uh, several uh, antiviral drugs. Its primary uh, use has been in in fighting AIDS. Right. Okay. And so that's so that's what they're coming up with. They so that's why ivermectin is, is, even though it's an antibacterial, it's has some effect apparently maybe not i don't know the jury's still out on that but that it well, may have some effect on uh, uh on this particular virus because it can knock out a building block of the virus right that's that's the that's the idea the the weird thing has been that you know for 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 years and years and years off-label prescriptions for you know, fighting something have been perfectly fine. We've been using yeah. hell. We used uh, phenoxidine and f- uh, fin, uh, whatever, finfin for weight loss. For fuck's sake! Um, so you can just go to your doctor and say, hey, "I'm a little tubby. I need some finfin," and you can get that. Now it turns out, of course, it caused your heart to burst inside your chest, which was you know not a good side effect. But um, we've been doing this kind of off-label prescription for years. But the CDC has come down super hard on any off-label prescriptions for COVID. I wonder why. And why, yeah, is, I, why is information being mandated from the top down from the NIH and CDC and not from the bottom up from clinicians? Right. That's how we do every other disease. What makes this disease different? Um, and in a, in a, you know, in a rational world, we would in this country already have some fairly good data on whether or not ivermectin is effective. And we don't. What we do have are a lot of observational studies from India where the state of Uttar Pradesh, uh, has a remarkably low level of, uh, COVID hospitalization and even COVID infection, uh, compared to other states in India, like uh, I believe it was Goa that just said, no, you can't have ivermectin at all. And their, yep. their rates of, of COVID shot up while Uttar Pradesh has stayed very low. Um, you now have in Japan where they're talking about, you know, doctors need to start prescribing ivermectin. Now, maybe it's just because it's a Japanese drug and they're all really patriotic. I don't know. But we don't have any of that in the United States. Uh, supposedly, there is a, a fairly large clinical trial underway on it. How long will that trial be? When will it end? How many people are in it? We don't really know. Um, but this seems to be something that we should have a pretty good idea of now, whether ivermectin or what is the other one that uh, Trump was on? Hydroxychloroquine? Uh, Hydroxychloroquine, yeah. Um, uh, a drug, by the way, I, I know nothing about. Um, we should know pretty definitively based on observational studies and clinical experience, whether this stuff works or not. But I do know there are doctors in Texas. In fact, uh, this last week, uh, my great aunt um, and some cousins, uh, all three of them came down with COVID. 
Now, my aunt sort of waited around and waited until her O2 set went down to 60 before she decided to Trudy trot over to a doctor. So she ended up spending a week in the hospital. Uh, she's about in her mid-70s. Um, but my, my two cousins, well, they're actually my mother's cousins, um, they both got COVID. And they went to the doctor. And the first thing the doctor did is threw them on, um, gave them monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, um, zinc, quercetin, vitamin D. Um, and they had it for a couple of days and uh, never went to the hospital and they they bounced back from it. So is that an indication that it works? You know, it's like the Joe Rogan case. Did ivermectin have anything to do with that? I don't know. We have no data on it. Clinicians aren't allowed to use it. Hospitals are threatening their clinicians who even want to recommend it not to do it uh, and threatening them with firing if they try. Hmm. So hospital administrators now get to dictate what clinicians do for their patients. Okay. And only, by the way, for COVID, uh, most other diseases, clinicians can do whatever it is that they feel is in the best interest of the patients. So there seems to be a concerted effort underway, uh, a fairly quiet one, but concerted nonetheless, to say, nope, you're going to get the vaccine. You're only going to get the vaccine. And trying to use a horse dewormer is just completely beyond the pale. Yeah, you know, I want to make an analogy here because I think it's really apt. Um, You can only use wind, solar, uh, hydro, whatever power um, that's quote unquote renewable. Um, You cannot use nuclear, uh, natural gas, anything else because they do not. Uh, fit the profile that we're looking for. It seems to me that there's a lot... Even though, by the way, if you're not going to go nuclear, you're never going to get zero emissions. Ever. Exactly. So, and, well, hell, if you go natural gas, you're still going to get lower emissions than you get from even uh, uh, from wind. Because those things, like, do actually leak emissions, believe it or not. Either way, it's you must do it our way or the highway. And we have chosen this path. You may not go down the other path, even if that other path has also promise. I remember back uh, in, uh, was it 2012? Um, you know, let's do all of it. You know, let's do nuclear. Let's do coal. Let's do gas. Let's do natural gas. Let's do oil. Let's do all of it. All of the above. Let's do it all. No, 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 no. Some of those are verboten, and we will not be doing those because they are not approved by the social media. I mean, that's which is essentially what it boils down to. And it's the same thing here. It's not that these things aren't effective, uh, ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, and whatever else. And by uh, the way, uh, let me hasten to say, we don't know that they are or not. Right. Uh, well, we do have evidence that they are somewhat effective early on, um, it, but that's not uh, th- th- that's certainly not um, the end of the story. It may be different for some people than other people, different stages than others. We don't know, but it's just been categorically denied because the only thing that you're allowed to have is uh, the vaccine 
which they also see as ineffective. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just. Well, look, look, uh, last year, uh, the WHO did a big study on remdesivir for COVID. And they said remdesivir. Look, that's the other one, right? Yeah. They say, look, it just doesn't appear to work. So the WHO uh, sent out, you know, their advice to countries, which is do not prescribe remdesivir. The um, side effects are too rough to go through uh, for what appears to be little to no benefit. And um, that was a week after the FDA said, oh, yes, remdesivir is our recommended treatment for COVID. Right. <laughs> okay. So I mean, and, and so now which so now which giant untrustworthy bureaucracy do I believe? The WHO right. or the C or the FDA? Who now are in complete disagreement. Well, and what are you supposed to do? I mean, you Now think about it not just from our perspective. I mean, we're reasonably more informed than most people on what is at least being said, not informed on what the actual facts are. But if you, you know, you're, you're trying to like run three, four or five kids around, uh, get them to school, get them to practice, get them to, you know, whatever, get them, you know, do their homework, get them to bed and also working, you know, eight to 12 hours a day. And you pay attention to the news, like when you're in the car, or you know, maybe you catch a few minutes at night. What are you supposed to believe? I mean, how do you even negotiate that? You, you, you have almost no choice because, well, I mean, I guess they're telling me the truth, so I guess I got to do this. Well, every news, yet, yeah, everything that I hear, and I think that's one of the problems, is that people are not really well-informed. They've never had to be, so they haven't picked up the habit of being you know, really well-informed. And so when they hear an unending chorus from both the government and media that this is the way, then like good Mandalorians, they assume this is the way. What are Mandalorians? Oh, you didn't watch the Mandalorian Star Wars show. The, the, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boba Fett no, I don't know. Yeah, Boba Fett wore Mandalorian armor. And so the Mandalorians are this ancient people who have this warrior code, and they always say to each other, this is the way. So that's right. That's where I got it from. I think right, thank you. I think the, the most um, disturbing thing is that what we're, what we're not hearing and what is undeniably true, that all of these efforts that we're making to try to go to zero COVID, everything they're doing in Australia, which is just outrageously bad, Everything the Biden administration has now suggested, it's all pointless. Because the actual truth is, we are not going to have zero COVID. We had a chance to eradicate this virus that probably got out of our hands somewhere around August of 2020. That horse has right. left the barn. COVID is with us forever. It is going to be just like flu. And initially, it's going to be just as deadly as the flu used to be. Um, right. That is the reality. We are still pretending as if this is March 2020 and we can lick this thing and we can't. We have to figure out how we are going to live with this as an endemic disease that is going to be with us now for centuries. 
Maybe we'll have some medical miracle that will fix it sometime in the future. Hell, maybe we'll fix the common cold. Who knows? But for now, this idea that we have to all, you know, just live in fear. And if we all just pull together, because remember, we are all in this together, as we were told by Joe Biden so many times. Um, Well, the one thing we're in together is an endemic, not a pandemic. Pandemic is over. We have a disease for a while. Yeah, yeah. we have a disease that's going to be with us forever. And at some point, we're just going to have to wake up and realize we can't we can't maintain a society running in this emergency pandemic mode. It's just not sustainable. Well, and that's going to require people saying, hey, why are we giving you so much power? You know, you keep claiming this is some sort of emergency. uh, But is it really? Is it that big of an emergency? I mean, emergencies don't last for two years. Yeah, but this That's one has not how they work. And I'm I'm waiting to see the the new special on the 50th anniversary of our national right. emergency. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I don't want to get too deep into that, but um, here here's the issue: people are either going to uh, stand up for their freedom, or they're not, and we're going to get quickly divided into that uh i think over the next uh several months um as federal authorities and some state authorities uh really push the limits on what they can and cannot do to people so you know if you value your autonomy and your ability to uh look out for yourself you know, you're going to go one way. If you want daddy and mommy to take care of you, you're going to go another way. And we kind of know how that works out. Yeah. Of course, the thing is, in a country of our size, if even 30% of the people decide they're not going to comply, that's 100 million people. Right. We don't have the military or police capability to stop 30, uh, 30 or 100 million people from doing anything that we want them to do. Or That's we don't right. have the capacity to make them do anything that we want them to do if they decide they're not going to comply. You know, it's, well, it's, one thing if, since, it's one thing if it's a couple of you know sovereign citizens who are getting pulled over right. by a highway patrol who decide that under maritime law and the Articles of Confederation, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's easy to that handle. That flag is a military flag. I'm not in a military court. You can't prosecute me. <laughs> yeah, those guys are easy to handle. A um, hundred million people who say no and who decide that they're going to back it up, um, you're not going to make them do anything. No. And the people who would be charged with doing the enforcing are not exactly going to be 100% sympathetic to the state's goals. So... Yeah, and not to mention, you know, the thousands, hundreds of thousands of veterans uh, and uh, um, what do you call them? Uh, the one, the reservists who, uh, you know, they're not going to do that either. No, 
there are a lot of people uh, in this country who are perfectly happy to get along with people they disagree with uh, and will not be called to arms to put down and subjugate people that they may or may not agree with, but, but they're fellow American citizens. They should have the rights that they have to say what they think and do what they do without harming anybody else. I mean, that's, that's literally the American principle and we call it a libertarian principle, but I, I mean, I think that's really an American principle. Yeah, just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. We'll all get along. There is an increasing number of people who just refuse to leave you alone. What is it? And, that, that, and what is that's it? You the will issue. Be, you will be made to care. Right. Well, yeah. my advice to you, don't make me care. Right. Try me. Yeah, I mean, I, and it's... They are not seeking to make you care. They are seeking to make you comply and to suffer the consequences if you don't. It's They don't really give two shits about whether you care or not. What no, they want they is want compliance. compliance. That's all they want. Every single one of them. They're authoritarians. They're totalitarians. They don't care about you period what they care about is that you is bake that case their, right they want their power they want their power over you and they want you to do what they think is absolutely best for the world and they're not going to uh, countenance any uh, you know refusals well i'm i'm seeing it's it's really interesting there was a guy here in california up in shasta who now look this is about mask mandates. And I, I, I don't really understand why so many people on the right have a huge problem with, you know, being required to wear a mask um, when they go to the store or whatever, or why it's a huge problem. Um, but okay, beyond that. There, and that's what they were talking about in, in uh, Shasta County. It was the County Board of Supervisors. And this guy apparently an Afghanistan slash Iraq veteran just stood up in front of the council and said, you cannot continue doing this. We're not going to let you do this. At some point we're going to say no. And then things are going to get awful. He said, I fought for this country. I've been in combat. It's horrible. But if I have to go back and do it again to preserve my freedom, I will. Okay. Maybe, you know, shooting the cops because they tell you to put on a mask is a little overboard, but, you know, the principle is still there, and it's not really about the mask, though, I, I guess if I was thinking about it. It's not really about the mask. It's, it's not. About, it's about the entire attitude of you have to comply. You have exactly. no choice. We are your betters, and you have to do what we tell you. We don't, by the way. We can exempt right. ourselves from it. <laughs> I'm in the post office. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, who was the the mayor of D.C.? They've caught her now seven times violating her own COVID yeah. mandates. Yeah. She refuses to and, wear and, a mask and, indoors. But everybody else has to knuckle under. Um, it's not like people don't see this going on. Well, and look, slowly the information's getting out. We know that 
the masks don't work. And we've known this for a long time. We know that cloth masks actually might be even more harmful than they are good. Uh, we know that these, uh, you know, the, the things you pick up for, you know, five bucks for 20 of them or whatever at the CVS, they do a little good, but really not much. And especially, which most people do, they don't wear them once and then throw them out. They wear them multiple times. Well, see, here's like, here's the thing about that. Um, the uh, CDC had a thing this last week saying, hey, look, we've done the work. Masks do work. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, 5% of the time. That's the headline. Masks do work. Okay, so then you read into it. And what are the masks that work? Is it that bandana you got wrapped around your face? Nope. Is it those those cloth masks that you're walking around with with the removable filters? Nope, because they're fucking cloth. Air is coming in from other places besides the filter. You know what works partially for, you know, that gives you at least a 5% better chance? KN95 or N95 masks. That's it. Right. The surgical masks are useless. Bandanas, any sort of cloth mask, useless. The only thing that works is an N95 or KN95 mask that is properly Which, worn, that is sealed around your face. You have exactly. A beard, you have a beard and you're wearing a KN95 mask? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's useless. You're going to die. Right. Yeah. It, 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 even the people who don't have a beard don't wear the K95s, right? Uh, the NK95s are, well, they're basically the same thing. They're, there's not much difference. Um, if you're going to really wear a real mask, and if you have ever seen a nurse or, or a doctor come out of uh, a, a quarantine situation where they're wearing, you know, not just the, the, the K95, but also goggles and gloves and hair nets and full scrubs and whatever. When you see their face after they take off, they have marks yeah. all around their jaw and across because their nose. Because they're wearing them properly. They're exactly. properly fitted and sized and they're sealed. But not perfectly sealed. And even those aren't 100%. <laughs> no, even those aren't 100%. I guess the only thing that would actually really work is if you had well, that, that microclimate air. That would work. Full HEPA filter your entire head is covered. It's cinched around your neck. Okay, sure, it's a space helmet. You look stupid, but that would work. But a regular mask, yeah, it does provide partial protection if you have the right kind of mask and if you wear it properly. But these masks, and I've said this last week, one of our listeners early to uh, tonight also repeated that, saying this masking thing is approaching religious status as if a mask is some sort of talisman or amulet rather than a piece of cloth with minor protective properties. The fervor hey, alone. We've been saying that for people. weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's, most of the masks that I see people wearing, I took a picture and actually tweeted it. They're selling masks at the dollar store, at Dollar yeah. Tree. And it says clearly, not for medical purpose, It's it's uh, it is a face covering, so technically... That's what you need to have to go you into go any into store. A store. It's a face covering. <laughs> you have a face covering on. You're wearing your magical amulet. Therefore, no COVID can touch you. How much are, are the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and ISIS laughing at us right now? We got you to cover your woman. Well done, brother. 
Yeah, well, they managed to do that. Or we uh, managed it, to do it to ourselves anyway. Well, uh, yeah, that, I think it's more accurate. But whatever. It, it's just the bottom line is this has nothing to do with safety. It has everything to do with compliance, um, compliance, but also identifying. Oh yeah. Who, yeah. It's a social marker now. Absolutely. Uh, you, you are either in the mass club or you aren't. I mean, this is like the snart, uh, the star belly sneeches you know, from Dr. Seuss. Who is oh well, he's racist, but so whatever. Yeah, well, and, and look, I'm a person who actually does wear a mask. I just ordered a new load of N95 respirators. So I just got them. They're in my closet right but now. But you have to. And you, I mean, and I wear you've a, got and special I wear, circumstances. And I wear a KN95 mask or an N95 mask anytime I go out in public. By the way, do I go out in public often? No, I do not. I have largely been confined to my home for a year and a half now because of this thing. So, yeah, I understand the the effectiveness hey, and you know what of listeners mass, but it's a tool uh, that I, just, I, I want to i just want to tell listeners you know that dale's kind of an introvert right like him talking about not having to go out into public a whole lot is not the same as a lot of you <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you know it's 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 really odd because i have spent you know, at least a part of my life, actually broadcasting, speaking public. I still speak publicly. I do two-hour webinars for, for you know, customers once a week. Um, and another webinar, so I do like five public webinars a month. We do this podcast. Um, I had my own radio show in Los Angeles for a number of years. Um, and I want to have so little to do with people that when they said, hey, at my business, when they said, hey, you know what? We're just going to all work from home from now on. We're going to shut down the office and we're going to work from home. Perfect. I now no longer have to go anywhere. Oh, wait. Instacart will deliver groceries? I don't go buy groceries. I can go up to Instacart. Huh. You know what would be good now? A couple of Taco Bell tacos. Well, let's pop open the DoorDash app and get some of those bad boys delivered toot sweet. It has been like an, an introvert's dream for the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do have to be honest. Everybody's all terrified about COVID. I'm not particularly terrified about it because I never contact anybody. Although right. I, I do have to say for, for the next two, two and a half weeks, I am going to have an unending stream of workmen coming in and out of this house. Well, that's true. Well, so, well, whatever. I don't want to get into that. Yeah, so that's, um, that's going to be a nightmare for me with, you know, just these complete strangers coming into my house, exposing me to God knows what, while they, you know, replace all the flooring on the bottom well, floor you know, of my house and build me a new gonorrhea. kitchen. Every single one is going to have gonorrhea. And probably uh, COVID. I mean... Well, that's the that's that's the worry that they're all going to come in here with with that that that, uh, that Wuhan because I've been a, I've been very good about staying at home and by by the way this has been this has literally been the best time of my life. We've got a garden in the back now with with a raised garden bed and and we're vegetables growing and we have a compost heap now and holy smokes. 
It's been great. Uh, look, as, as a fellow introvert, I, I have, in, and I'm introverted to a certain degree. I mean, I, I don't like mingling. Um, with my friends, I'm, you know, I'm out there. And so it's been nice to have, okay, we, we've got this particular space and we can do this and whatever the hell else we want to do. And we'll do that a lot because, you know, we want to see each other. Fantastic. And I don't have to go to any other places. I don't have to, I mean, I go to basically about four or five places, uh, no less than two miles away. At, well, excluding go to pick up my kids and drop them off, whatever, from school. And it's fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it. Look, I haven't That's worn the a pair only of, thing I like. About I haven't it. worn a pair of man pants for um, more than once every two weeks for the last year and a half. <laughs> so man pants are pants. So we've had this conversation that have before. a, that have a zipper <laughs> rather than elastic waistbands. I've worn nothing but sweats and t-shirts for a year. And now, you know, America, the best thing that's, <laughs> yeah, when I do give my, when I do give my webinars, because they are video webinars. And so I am on, uh, I am on camera. When I do give my webinars about 10 minutes before the webinar, I walk into my bedroom, pull a shirt with a collar off of the closet, out of the closet, put it on, do my webinar, take it off, put a t-shirt back on. And I'm, I'm, I'm done looking like an adult for the next Wait, week. so you're not like even wearing like a pre-tied tie that you like tighten around your neck? Oh, I've, I've had to wear a tie at work for nearly <laughs> 20 years. This is California. We don't, we don't do that tie thing. You know, it is going to be interesting, um, say like 10 years down the road. So it's 2021. Uh, so 2031. How are people going to look back on this period? Well, well, and hopefully they they can look back on this period and not be in the same period. Uh, what are they going to see? Well, I tell you what, I'm afraid we're going to see. I'm I'm afraid that kids who are in their 20s today are going to be telling their grandchildren about the magical spell called electricity that lit up the night and the yeah. and the huge birds called airplanes that people would ride from city to city. Oh, and by yeah. the way, there were cities. Yeah, the old Milton Freeman joke. Uh, yeah. yeah. What did uh, what did socialists uh, use after electricity? Candles. Is that? I, I just I, I totally uh, fucked the, up. The, that is perhaps the worst telling of that joke I, I, I have totally ever heard. Fucked that joke up. What, we'll tell it. what will the communists use for light after electricity? Or actually, is what did the communists use for electricity before? Or what did the communists use for light before electricity? <laughs> I can't even tell it. What did the communists use for lights before candles? Electricity. There we go. Right. Jesus That's Christ. It. That's it. And That's I thought you had the worst retelling of that up. joke. It, it is hard to set up. Because you know what the end result is, and you can see it in your head, and it's like, <laughs> the path oh, it's just so stupid what they did. Like, how do I explain this? <laughs> yeah, the path to that punchline is real difficult.
But yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm afraid of. We're just oh, you're doing... afraid of that. You don't even have kids. I've got a freshman in college. Uh, I've got a, a sophomore in high school, and uh, you know a, a fifth uh, a fifth grader, and like what world becomes them? I mean, I I these are really really smart, industrious, curious. Um, I mean, they're just great kids, and I'm not saying it just because uh, I'm their dad. I mean, you know, discount that as you want, but I mean, they really are. They they excel at everything they do, and blah blah blah. But what world am I leaving that? You know, what? Where are they going to go? What opportunities are actually going to be there for them? And yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm getting scared about that. Yeah, because my fear is that they're going to be sitting in front of the communal fire telling tales about the before times. Right. Well, I mean, the one advantage I have is that, I mean, I lived in the woods for a couple of years, so I've, I can I can bug out to anywhere and figure out how to survive, but I don't want to. <laughs> I really don't want to at all. I, I would much rather have all these modern conveniences and use them appropriately. Yeah. I, but, I, I, I'm a graduate of desert survival school. And uh, the one thing I learned in desert survival school was I really don't want to survive. In the <laughs> I really yeah, like, can go fuck himself. I really like air conditioning and electricity. And I got a good buddy who's camping this weekend with a bunch of his friends. And he's like, no, fuck it. I just like for a half a tank of gas, it cost me like 30 bucks. I'm just going to like sleep in my, uh, uh, you know, in my car. I've, I've got enough room in the back. I can roll out the, the, the... <laughs> <laughs> I've got Wi-Fi. I've got, <laughs> I've got the air conditioning. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that outside shit. <laughs> yeah. Hell, if I was to go camping today, the first thing I would take, because we have one, I have an electric generator, a solar-powered generator. So it's a thousand watt. They're just so generator. noisy, though. It's a solar generator. Oh, a solar! Ge- I, I've never yeah. even seen one. How did like? It's a how it's a it's a thousand watt generator. So it powers a how lot long of does stuff. Need to charge. Um, with the solar panels, uh, about eight hours. And then it's fully charged, and I guess it keeps charging while it's... And, uh, yeah, you can use it while you've got the solar panels out. Because yeah, the yeah. solar panels themselves produce 200 watts. So Oh, so you, you have to actually add solar panels? Well, no, I mean, you know, I mean, it does have a battery in it, so once it's charged, it's good for, you know, 1,000 watts for, I don't know, 12, or I guess 1,000 watts, it'll last for seven and a half hours, running a full 1,000 watts. Um, but if you're charging it at the same time that you're using it, you're getting in 200 watts charging it at the same time. And by the way, with those 200 watts, 200 watts actually powers a lot of shit too. So is it, I'm assuming, so when I'm, here's what I'm picturing in my mind. You've got like this black box with a handle on it. Yep. And, and power cord plugs on it. Yeah. And USB and, cords and all the other stuff. Right, right, right. And now you've got a couple of 
solar panels that you plug into it to power it. Uh, to charge it. Charge it. Okay, fine. Um, and so how big are those solar panels? Um, they fold in half. When they fold in half, they're about uh, two feet by two and a half feet. That's not what I'm asking you, Dale. How big are they when they're plugged in? Oh, well, like I said, they're when they're folded in half, they're about two feet by two and a half feet, and they have a handle on the top. And then when you unfold them, they're like two feet by about, you know, five feet unfolded. So you can just unfold them, you know, set them up. They have their own little um, stand that they, that's built into them. So they stand up, and then you just plug them into the generator, and that it recharges. And, like, so how long does it take? Well, how long? It takes um, about seven hours to recharge the generator from both cells. From zero? Yeah, from zero. So if it's already fully charged, it'll stay charged for... Well, pretty much a good three or four or five days. Yeah, probably. I mean, depending on how much power you're pulling off of it. Um, uh, obviously, if you're pulling the full 1,000 watts, it will only run 1,000 watts for about seven and a half hours. So the, the recharge time and the time that's available on the battery at full capacity are about the same. It's about seven and a half hours. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, but, um, and if you're using less than 200 watts, like you're just you know powering your phone, maybe, and then occasionally, which is like nothing, yeah, yeah, and occasionally you know plugging in maybe your computer or, or, I, I don't know if you would have an electric stove while you're camping. I can't imagine it. Um, why would you? Why would you? You can just get a rocket stove and just cook with fire. Um, so if you're out camping, I mean, it would probably last quite a long time because. There's just a limited number of electrical devices that you're going to have with you. Well, well, especially ones that can actually connect to anything. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. You know what? I'm sold. That's actually a, a really good idea. I like that. Yeah, we got one made by Jackery. So it's the 1,000 watt uh, solar generator. I'm going to guess that Jackery is spelled with J-A-Q-A-R-I. J-A-C-K-E-R-Y. J-A-C-K-E-R-Y. K-E-R-Y. Okay. Yeah. So You know what? We need to get them to pay for uh, this. Yeah, for an ad. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. (laughs) That that sounds really cool, actually. I like that I just hope I never have to use it. Well. Have to and want to are two different things. Yes, I agree. I just, I don't want to because I would like to think that, yeah. (laughs) And I'm getting further and further skeptical that we can reach that point where we'll we'll, uh, come to some sort of amicable arrangement. I, I don't see how it's possible. Um, people want communism. They want big daddy. They want uh, full control of everybody else's lives. And then there's people like us who just want to be left the fuck alone. Yeah, but... 
those kind of people can't be allowed to exist. Everything that is not mandatory is prohibited. That's the world they want to live in, and I'm shocked by the number of people that want to live in that world. However, on that that rather negative note, it's been a long time since we've ended super uh, pessimistically. It's high time we get back into the habit. (laughs) Have a great week, Michael. You too. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 10th of September, 2021. I will remark in passing that tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of the... uh, of the 9-11 attacks. It's kind of hard for me to believe that it's been that long. It seems like just yesterday, but a lot of water has passed under that bridge. But certainly something to uh, keep in mind tomorrow. Uh, Something to think about at least briefly as you go on about your day. On behalf of Michael and the absent Bruce McQuain, this is Del Frank saying thanks for listening. Hope you're listening again next time. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.